We are back into our studies in the book of Romans. This time we are in chapter 8, and I would anticipate we will spend three video classes in Romans chapter 8. This is not just another section of Scripture with continued doctrinal argumentation. You will find this to be personally significant teaching, encouraging, motivating, and at the same time, instructive. We're going to look at a contrast here in Romans chapter 8, especially in the first section of the chapter. The right way to live in contrast to the wrong way to live. We ought to be thankful to God that he has provided forgiveness for us in Christ that through his word delivered by the apostles, we know what to do to have that forgiveness and to be empowered to live right in Christ, thus having no condemnation and walking in newness of life. On the other hand, to be carnally minded is death. Listen, please. Romans 8, verses 1 through 6. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. That's Romans 8, 1 through 6. Let's connect this with what we studied in the previous class. In the last part of Romans chapter 7, Paul describes his personal struggle attempting to be justified by keeping the law of Moses, yet having continuing problems with sin. It is sort of like Paul gives us what we call in the movies a flashback. Paul describes that struggle back then that he had under the law trying to be just before God Then he expresses thanks to God for the deliverance from that that he found in Christ. Now, as a Christian, as Paul lived his life by the activity of faith in Christ, there was no condemnation. And that's how chapter 8 begins. The old emotional struggle that he describes from his past in that chapter 7 flashback, that's over now. As a Christian, he says, there is therefore now 
no condemnation. So chapter 8 begins with this robust expression of gratitude and relief, that as we live in Christ, walking as directed by the Holy Spirit, that intense emotional struggle and guilt and conflict described in Paul's flashback back in chapter 7 is not our condition. I would encourage you to read the last part of Romans 7 right into chapter 8 and verse 1. At verse 2 in Romans 8, the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Okay, let's try to identify the law of the Spirit. Whatever it is, it gives life in Christ Jesus. Whatever it is, it frees you from the rule of sin. My conclusion is the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus is the gospel. When I obey the gospel given by the Holy Spirit, I am given life, spiritual life. I'm freed from the rule of sin. So the law of the spirit of life, the gospel, made Paul free from the rule or dominion of sin that was his struggle under the law as he described back in chapter 7. So clearly this ties in with the previous chapter. While seeking to be justified by the law, Paul found himself to be carnal, sold under sin, and wretched. The law itself was wholly just and good, but Paul had a delight in that law. Sin, however, took opportunity by his choices and by the commandment deceived him and killed him. Hence, as verse 23 testifies, he was brought into captivity to the law of sin. But now he was no longer under that condemnation. He was in Christ, walking according to the Spirit's direction. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the gospel, had made him free from the law or rule of sin. The contrast <coughs> up to this point seems to be focused on Paul as a Jewish subject of the law described in chapter 7 and Paul as a Christian described in chapter 8. Paul as a Jewish subject of the law of Moses felt condemned. Paul as a Christian in Christ and walking as the Spirit directs considered himself to be under no condemnation. The contrast will pertain more to us as we continue in Romans chapter 8. Verse 3, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Now, I think the law here is the law of Moses, that law that was holy and just and good. And because of man's weakness 
it could not provide unqualified pardon and full access to God for those who were under that law. You see, as the section back in chapter 7 testifies, there was something that old law couldn't do because of man being weak through the flesh. This is likewise described, by the way, in Acts 13, 38 and 39. Acts 13, 38 and 39. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, that's Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. The law of Moses, <coughs> though it had a divine purpose suited to that time and those people, could not do something that can be done in response to the gospel of Christ, and those responsive to the gospel find no condemnation in Christ. What the law could not do, God did by sending his son. So again, when you read out of chapter 7 into chapter 8, it all fits together. Paul, in his own experience under the law of Moses, found himself to be weak by his own flesh, his own choices. But he was no longer under sin. He's under a new master. For, he said, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Verse 4. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The righteous requirement of the law was obedience. The old law required that those under it obey it. Any law is given to be obeyed. When Jesus spoke to the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, 17, he told him what the righteous requirement of the law was when he said, keep the commandments. The old law required obedience, but those under it were disobedient. They sinned. Remember that the law was weak through the flesh. But in us, that is in Christians, those in Christ who walk according to the Spirit, in us the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled. We are equipped and strengthened to obey. What law requires is obedience. In Christ, we're able to meet that requirement. He died for us so that we can be forgiven and meet that requirement. Verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Here is that contrast I told you about a few minutes ago. Notice two things set in opposition, in contrast. Having your mind set on the things of the flesh and consequently living that way, or having your mind set on the things of the Spirit and consequently living that way. Two ways of life. Now, those who have been freed from the law of sin and death that is to say, those in Christ, where there is no condemnation, they are the ones 
who have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. This is the kind of life it is possible for us to have and live in Jesus Christ. Verse 6, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. If you have the New King James, it reads in this way, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. If my mind is absorbed with this life, this world, the carnal desires that I can fulfill through appetite in my body, that way of life is a death sentence. That way of life will separate me from God, and if I don't repent, I'll be destined to the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. We don't have to live that way. God sent his Son. There is in the gospel the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that can make us free from the law of sin and death. But if in spite of those divine provisions available in the gospel, we walk according to the flesh and we continue to be carnally minded, it is a spiritual death sentence. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Here's the contrast again, two ways of life with two corresponding results. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verses 7 and 8. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Remember, the carnal mind is that disposition, attitude, or frame of mind that is devoted to the material, fleshly, earthly side of life. It is really that frame of mind that lies behind a sinful life and that fuels it. Okay, in regard to this attitude or frame of mind that lies behind the sinful life, verse 7 affirms the carnal mind is enmity against God. Why, of course it is. That frame of mind that centers on the things of the flesh, that frame of mind that is anxious to fulfill appetite, that frame of mind that is obviously hostile to God is opposed to God's plan for human life. The carnal mind is enmity against God. On this point, Paul wrote to the Colossians, and he wrote about their condition before obeying the gospel, and he said, and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. The carnal mind is enmity against God. Continuing in verse 7, notice another observation about this carnal mind. It is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. As long as your frame of mind is devoted to the flesh and interested in self-gratification, how can you submit to the law of God? The truth is, if your thinking is as Paul describes the carnal mind, you are not interested in doing what God wants you to do. Now, this doesn't mean that the harder mind as God made it cannot be reached with the gospel. This doesn't mean that some direct operation of the Spirit must take hold of you and change you even against your will. This simply means 
as long as your mind is carnal, devoted to the flesh and selfly appetite, you cannot submit to the law of God. If you're following the carnal desires, if you have every interest and intent to perform and enjoy the pleasures of sin in that state of mind, you cannot submit to the law of God. Notice what Paul says about this carnal mind. The carnally minded person, he says to be carnally minded is death. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. Continuing now at verse 8, So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, if you just found that statement without any context or explanation <coughs> or surrounding information, it would appear to suggest that nobody can please God. After all, we are all in the flesh. We inhabit fleshly bodies while we sojourn here on earth. It might seem, therefore, Paul is saying, no human being can please God. That's really not his point. There is a context with information we use to interpret the statement. The expression, in the flesh, means, in this context, a life that derives power from the flesh and is devoted to meeting the needs of the flesh. I think it is clear the person with a carnal mind is a person who is in the flesh. As the desires and plans of the carnal mind are carried out, the resulting lifestyle is to live in the flesh. Any doubt? See verse 9, where the Christian is not in the flesh. As long as you think that way and live that way, the fleshly way, you cannot please God. I believe Paul wants the Romans and every one of us to understand how different these ways of life are. Verse 6 highlights the contrast. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We commend to each of you the spiritually minded life in Jesus Christ. Thank you.